podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. On the channel we've got interviews, podcasts, series and content on a various subjects including mental health, football, serial killers, films, TV, conspiracy theories, writing, music, wrestling and more. All our shows are available in video format at youtube.com slash acepodcastnation or audio at the usual podcasting platforms. Today's show is something a little bit different, something a little bit special for me personally, because uh, instead of the usual format, we're having uh, episode 6 in our popular series, Unscripted and Uncensored. It's a mini version, as my guest is very busy as he prepares to go on tour, whilst also doing lots of press and interviews in preparation. Uh, So in these Unscripted and Uncensored shows, there's no script by me, Uh, it's completely unedited, uncensored, we just get some talking points or some subject questions sent in by you guys, the viewers and listeners to Ace Podcast Nation, to our our email, Twitter or Facebook page, Uh, this should be a lot of fun. Uh, My guest today is an indie icon, he's the lead singer of Shed 7. Shed 7 were a huge indie band that formed in York in the 1990s, true icons of the 1990s Britpop. Joining me today is the lead singer of Shed 7, Rick Witter. Welcome, Rick. How are you, mate? Hello, Sonny. You all right? Yeah, looking forward to this. Um, so, obviously, the, the layout of these, uh, these unscripted and uncensored shows is uh, generally the, the viewers and the listeners of Ace Podcast Nation send in the, the questions and the topics. So, we're going to do a, a mini version today. Um, cause you've I'd like to think what's coming next. Yeah, they're not. They've been quite kind to you. Some of the previous guests uh, for these these shows haven't been as lucky. I got to say. Um, right. So you've been quite fortunate. I think a lot of people are just asking kind of about music and stuff. So got away with it. I think. But uh, yeah, I think we've dodged the bullet now, haven't we? Well, we'll soon see, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Like I say, I appreciate you fitting me in because I know you've been doing a lot of uh, interviews recently, like Radio X and the Chris Boyle Show and BBC Radio and many others as you uh, get ready for Shed September. Um Yes, it's the wheels are starting to turn. Obviously, we go on tour. We start um, Thursday the 21st. So, yes, it's all part of necessity, really. Um, obviously, we're doing quite a big tour, so um, it's just making as many people aware as possible. Yeah, I mean... It's, um, I think James from the Oasis podcast said that you you don't tour every year. You kind of say, is it every every two years or something like that? I think he said. Yeah, we do. As a rule, we do. Generally, we tour Christmas every other year, really. And now that's kind of spreading out more into November as well. It's it's got its own little hashtag now. It's called uh, Shed Thunder. Um, which I believe somebody just coined, one of our fans coined it quite a few years ago. It's taken on, it's become its own little monster, but it's now actually becoming Shed Vember as well. But yeah, we, we generally do that every other year. Cause I think it's quite important really not to, not to have too much overkill. You know what I mean? I think if we did do it every year, people would then have the opportunity to say, well, I went last year. I won't bother this year, I'll go next year. And then, and then, you know, looking at it logically, the chances are you might end up playing slightly smaller venues, it doesn't look as good. So I think having that year off really helps. And plus it's, you know, it, keep, it keeps everyone on the toes. So usually when we, when we don't do the Christmas tour, 
we find ourselves doing some festivals, which uh, we're just currently booking in for next year now, so it's all good. Yeah, and I guess by leaving it like every other year, it makes it yeah, it makes it special, doesn't it? Um, obviously, people were crying out for you to to reform when you uh, split up for I suppose it was only a brief period, really, in the whole yeah. grand scheme of things. Um, so. You're playing Cardiff actually on my uh, day before my son's birthday, which is uh, my hometown. Oh. So I'm, uh, I think I'm going to try and get tickets for his birthday. I'm not sure, right. a 14 year old, whether he'll uh, kind of be familiar with your work, but I'll uh, I might drag him along. Nevertheless, yeah, do yeah, and it's funny actually because lots of people tend to do that these days. Increasingly, our gigs we're seeing more and more youth there, and, and you know. To be fair, a lot of them look like they're really enjoying it and singing along. So, as you've just said, you're going to drag it along. But a lot of these parents obviously listen to Shed Seven at home, and the, and the kids are kind of absorbing it really, which is great because it, it does it does mean that we'll just continue doing it. I and mean, if there's new generations of people coming and loving it, then you know it only means that there's more room for us to continue doing this really. Yeah, I suppose the thing with um, with anything really in TV football, you need the the younger fans to come as the old fans get older, I suppose. And uh, you know, you always want new fans. Um, I just want him to listen to some decent music, to be honest. But that's just me. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I know it's it said the the twang is supporting you. Are they supporting you every night? To the tour? Yes, they're out for the whole for the whole lot with us. Yes, that should be good fun. It's. Um, uh, we invited the guys to come and have happily said that they'd do it with us. So, you know, it's always quite good fun if you get along with other bands because it's an intense period of time spent with other people. You know, I mean, it's difficult enough being so intense with your own bandmates. So it's, it's always nice to know that you're going to go out with a, a good set of lads or, or ladies and, you know, just uh, just have a bit of a party, really. I mean, that's essentially what this is going to be. It's going to be one long Christmas party for like a 23-day tour. Um, so, so yeah, it should hopefully, fingers crossed, all run very smoothly and then do the, do the business. Yeah, I guess the, um, like, I was thinking about it earlier, the, the 90s were a, they're a bit of a blur for me. And, uh, you know, I wasn't in a, in a rock band. And I've heard you say before um, that, you know, the 90s were all a bit of a blur. Um, is your, like... Do you still kind of when you're doing the tour in December now? Will you will you party like you used to in the nineties, or is it a bit more? Uh, well, mutual, yeah, say? yes. I think we're, now that we're kind of mid to late forties, I think obviously you have to listen to your body a little bit more. And it's weird with us because the, the nature of what we do, the fact that we do it every other year, means that there is a lot of downtime in respect to performing. So you know it's. What we've, what we've done is we've been rehearsing on a Wednesday evening since the beginning of September just so that we're match fit and we kind of remember the songs. But it gets to the point where oh, that's just so boring because we've played those songs so many times. You, you just need the audience to bounce off. Um, but when we're rehearsing, we're not kind of putting a show on. We're just stood there playing the songs, remembering them. So, you know... I'm sure after about four gigs of moving around on the stage the way I do, the body will suddenly say, what are you doing? You know, and then it's just kind of getting over that and getting into a kind of routine with it. But yeah, um, I guess 
maybe the weekend gigs is more time to let your hair down a little bit, you know, but it's difficult in the respect that, you know, you could play Blackburn on a Tuesday night uh, and then be travelling up to Aberdeen, which is exactly what we're doing. So we'll find ourselves in service stations halfway up to Scotland at 4am. You know, and that's where it can get quite hard because it is tiring in that respect. So you just have to hit the pandy and get over it. I can imagine that's the that's the, the less glamorous part of being in a in a band, I guess, and the <coughs> touring is the is, you know the, the travelling between cities and the, uh, the the early morning services and whatnot. That's yeah, and also the, the the kind of hanging around and waiting is an awful lot of that. You know, just for that one and a half hours performance is an awful lot of hanging around. Um, but then it's it's the nature of the job. I'm not moaning about it. It's just the way it is. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I can't say I've always thought that that one of my one of the things that I always feel like I admire in in uh, particularly like rock and roll or rock bands is uh, is performing gigs when you've got a really like if you've been up the night before with no sleep and you've been drinking and you've got a hangover and I often <laughs> got a lot well, of power. Well, listen. I think at the end of the day, you know, people. People have kindly put their hands in the pockets and paid money out of their hard-earned life um, to buy a ticket to come see us. So it's very important that you do put on a good show. So you know that that's not good enough if you if you can't do that because you hung over from the night before. So we we, we pride ourselves really on making a hundred percent effort at gigs really because I think it's it's the biggest buzz in the world when people leave the gig at the end discussing how good it was, you know, and, and we, we have become a little bit renowned for becoming quite a good live band in the respect that we put on a bit of a show and we've been doing it long enough to know when a gig is a bit below par, you know, and it's always very frustrating. But it's funny because as, as a band, with five of us, you know, one particular night, <laughs> I might come off stage thinking that wasn't as good as I was hoping it would be, but then Paul, the guitarist, might say it was the best gig he's ever done. So, you know, it's all in your own head at the end of the day. Anyway, as long as we play well, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and I think um, it, it's what the people, the audience, come away feeling. And um, like you say, there's nothing quite like that feeling of going to a gig and um, coming away and just thinking, wow. And kind of being blown away and leaving the venue with your with your with your ears ringing and you're kind of just in awe of what you've just uh, what you've just witnessed. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally that. And that, to be honest, that's why when we were 11 and 12 years old, we decided to learn instruments because we wanted to show off and yeah. <laughs> play in front of people. You know, and that's that's never changed. We're still like that now. <clears throat> as a as a 46 year old, I'm still like that now. I just like showing off. <laughs> okay, so um, so let's get into some of these questions which people have sent in. Uh, sent in. Um, so uh, we've got the wildest rock and roll story, or what rock and roll story or incident that you've ever witnessed firsthand? Oh well, um, there's a few of those, but I'm not so sure whether I'm <laughs> whether I really want to answer that. Because uh, it'll come back to bite me on the arse. Um, I mean, you know, to be like, again, I always say the nineties were pretty rock and roll, really, but it's difficult to really remember. It's funny because I'll I'll maybe go out with friends every now and again, and we'll start reminiscing, and 
and my friends were going, do you remember that gig where, where that happened? And, and I honestly won't remember it. And it, it's it's quite frustrating, really. Um, but I've, I've always kind of had a bit of a bad memory anyway. But um, I'm going to have to glaze over that one because a lot of these stories probably don't come don't really involve me as such, and I, I wouldn't want to put anybody else on the spot. <laughs> I'll, I'll save that for the book. Yeah, absolutely. I can understand that completely. As I said, these questions are not from me, so they uh, they can be on air. Well, it's a very boring answer. I apologise to whoever asked me that, but it's a very boring answer. But if I ever if I ever bump into whoever asked that question and they want to ask me it again privately, <laughs> I'll have a chat with them. Um, Funny enough, uh, he asked Joy. Uh, he's a regular listener, so he said he'd ask another question. He, uh, he asked, "Who is the biggest twat you ever met in the music industry?" Again, <laughs> kind of puts you on the spot a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, well, there, there always is twats. You know, what I mean, there always is. You know, we, again, we can pride ourselves on being quite normal and, and interested in things. But you're always going to bump into people who are totally at their own arse. But, you know, as a rule, these people tend to kind of fall by the wayside because you get the first flush of fame and think that they're the best thing in the world ever. And, you know, unless you kind of behave in a certain way, it can sometimes come back and bite you on your ass. I mean, obviously, Liam Gallagher proves that wrong because he can do and say exactly what he wants and gets away with it every single time. And fair play to him for that, you know. I mean, he, he was rock and roll in in that respect um but you know I mean, you, you just see daft things i can't remember who this woman was um i'll have to do a bit of research actually try and find out who this woman was but i remember playing a, a festival somewhere in london once and it was one of these kind of radio festivals um so it had a mixture of different style of acts and uh we were playing in the afternoon this is way back in the nineties, and I remember this woman singer, I can't remember who she was. She was walking, pacing up and down backstage outside, doing a, a vocal warm-up routine because she's about to go on stage, so she's making a big point of doing it as loud as she possibly could, la 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 la. And then she went on stage and mind. It's like, well, what are you doing? You know, it's, it's a bit kind of like me, me, me. Look at me. You know what I mean? And not yeah. fair enough when you're on the stage doing it, but at least go and sing properly. So, you know, I wouldn't associate her with being a twat as such, but it could kind of grow up a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, it's, just, it's kind of weird behaviour, that, isn't it? To do a, like a vocal warm-up and then go and mind. <laughs> <laughs> like, you yeah, you couldn't make it up, could you? No, it's almost like, right, everyone look at me, I'm going on stage, <laughs> I'm going to sing, and then go. Yeah, well... You know, as I said at the beginning, you're always going to bump into swaps, but, you know, you just learn over the space of years just to kind of stay out of the way. You know, life's too short. So if people want to act like swaps, just go and act like a crap, but just stay away from me while you're doing it. Yeah, I mean, do you keep your, like, your, over the years, have you kept, like, your circle of friends generally quite quite close-knit and stuff? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And it's funny regarding the 90s because, you know, there was a lot of bands doing a lot of promotion for various reasons. And at the time, because we live in York, we, you know, we'd get caught up in that to an extent, but we'd always have that get out where we can just come home to York and get away from it. So it's nice to be able to dip our toes in. But, you know, it, it was quite 
it was almost like a competition in the 90s. There was an awful lot of bands checking out what other bands were doing, how well they were doing. Um, so it's, it was a kind of a bit of an odd atmosphere at times. But I'm noticing now the bands that are still going from the 90s that we bump into from time to time, everybody has just grown up a bit. And I think everybody realises how lucky they were to be caught up in such a, a big music scene. You know, and I think I think with the benefit of hindsight and the fact that we're still actually going doing stuff means that everyone's just a little bit more chilled out about it and, and appreciates the, the lifestyle and the fact that people are still interested in hearing them. You know, so it's, it's a lot better now than it was then in the respect of people, a bit of camaraderie, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, it was amazing, you know, time for it successful indie band in the 90s because you, you know you had Oasis and Stone Roses and Blur and yourselves and you know there was so many really successful sort of indie bands and rock bands at that time but equally I yeah. always thought the Shed 7 were a little unlucky that they came out at the same sort of time as Oasis and, and Blur and things like that so they perhaps you guys didn't get the, um, the appreciation that you would have got you know if, if they weren't around but, um, you know, you had plenty of success, let's be fair. Yeah, well, then, then was the break. I mean, I think, I think certainly at a certain point in the 90s, it was how many magazines you can sell and how many covers you can get on. That was a big part of it, really. We're not massively changed now. But, you know, because we weren't scrapping all the time, because we weren't saying what drugs we were doing all the time, it meant that we were less cover story friendly in that respect. So, yeah, I mean, we had our moments, but, you know, the fact that we're still here doing it and we still attract a good crowd and people come to our gigs and they just sing their hearts out and, and you know, I'd much rather have it that way rather than burn out quick and, you know, have a, have a five minutes of fame kind of scenario. You know, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is our job. It's our job, you know, it's our career and, and we love doing it. So, uh, again, I feel very kind of lucky that we we still are here doing this because we we just love performing. You know, we just love getting out there and showing off, as I said. Do you think that the the break where you sort of you broke up and then you got together, but got back together a few years later? Do you think that kind of helped you in your overall outlook on it? Yeah, maybe in hindsight, yes, because. Um, I kind of regretted actually splitting up when we did. <clears throat> I think it was a bit rash. But I do also now think, looking back, that it was probably an important thing to do at the time um, because it just gave everyone a little bit of a break. We kind of reformed in 2007 just simply because we missed playing live and we had no idea where it would take us. You know, we just wanted to do some gigs. So we just put a few gigs on at the end of 2007 in December. I think there's maybe six gigs booked in and put them on sale, just thinking, right, well, whatever happens, happens. You know, we'll just go out and we'll just play our, play our instruments and sing these old songs from the 90s that we used to do. And and the reaction was incredible. You know, we had to upgrade venues, we had to add extra gigs. I think it turned into like a 20-day tour in the end. And that was, at that point, it was when I kind of looking out, seeing all of these people singing every word. It kind of made me realise that what we did do in the nineties was actually important and special to people. It wasn't just a throwaway thing. And, and here we are now in twenty nineteen, this is like twelve years since then, and was playing even bigger venues, playing the same songs. You know, it's 
it's um, it's it's a nice justification for us because we've got a lot of work in in the nineties, um, and 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 still do now. You know, we had an album out um, two years ago that did really well. It went top ten, and to a lot of people, it's one of the best albums I've ever written. Um, and you know, it, it's great to still be caught up in it. Actually, I was going to ask you um, about kind of new material. Have you got many, um, you know, many songs written and ready to sort of be released at some point? No. No? Are you still... still <laughs> Just an important answer to that. <clears throat> to be honest, as I say, we had this album out a couple of years ago, and it was a strange one because we weren't really even considering doing anything new. We were quite happy caught in that treadmill of playing our old songs, but obviously a lot of fans over the years, because we've, we've been reformed 10 years when this album came out, and we were just playing our old stuff. So obviously a lot of fans are going, will you ever write anything new? And for a long time, there's just not enough hours in the day to consider getting together and, and sitting down and writing new material. But I do seem to remember about four or five years ago, Paul the guitarist came up with a guitar riff for a song called Nothing to Live Down, which was on the album. And it was just in mucking about in the, in the rehearsal room. We were actually rehearsing to do a gig, and he just came up with this riff. That got my ears pricked up, and the next minute I'm on my hands and knees on the rehearsal room floor, scribbling out melodies and lyrics. And it turned into that song, and we kind of looked at each other and thought, wow, where did that come from? That wasn't planned. Um, so because we kind of got a bit of a buzz for that, we we spent maybe a year, a year and a little bit, just writing some new ideas down without telling anyone. So there was no pressure. You know, there was no kind of, where is it? When can we hear it? We didn't tell anybody. And then after about a year and a half, we had kind of like 20 songs that we thought were worthy for people to hear. So it was kind of a bit of an accident, to be honest, writing that new material. Um, and I'm so pleased we did it, because it's great, but, you know, suddenly, yes, as you've rightly asked, when's the next new stuff, but we're not kind of that band, you know, we, we'll do it when we're good and ready, you know, and people have waited 16 years in between album releases for, for something new off of so if they can wait that long and be happy with what they've heard, then if it takes another eight years to do another one, then so be it, you know, you know we've got... We've got an awful lot of songs, songs from the past that people really want to hear, and then there's the fans who bought the new album that really want to hear some of that. So we're in a good, we're in a good spot right now. So I just don't see the point of writing new stuff just to keep the momentum going, because you know, unless it's as good as the last song we wrote, there's no point in doing it. You know. So when we're at a stage where we're all happy with ourselves to meet up and start the process again. Who knows when that'll be? It could be tomorrow, it could be in five years, you know, who knows? Yeah, it's cool, that's good, isn't it? I mean, you've got so many, um, you know, so many good, amazing, big songs, which people, you know, like you say, know all the lyrics to, sing along to at gigs, and the, yeah. people, the people still want to watch you guys play, so, uh, yeah, so we're in a healthy position, really, which is great. Um, so if I could just ask you a couple of quick, quick, quick uh, few more questions because I got sent in yeah. before we uh, finish off because I know you're a, yeah. a busy man. Um, so what sort of music do you generally listen to? Um, well, I like a lot of different stuff. I, I really, if I get the time, I like to do a lot of browsing um, on various different 
um, sites online, you know, because if you if you discover something, it gives you kind of options, suggests other things that you might like because you're listening to this. So I can discover lots of new stuff. I mean, I really like I like straight up indie really, but then I'm quite quite a big fan of the Australian kind of site scene. I like that King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. They're a good band, um, but they. They, they release an awful lot of music. It's quite full on. I don't know how they managed to do that. And um, it's just loads, loads of really good stuff out there. Um, and it's nice to be able to choose whether or not you listen to an old Pixies album for a change, or you stick the Roses' first album on again, or this surge of new good <coughs> underground indie bands. And then I think India has become that again, because India in the 90s was very mainstream. We were all going to the charts, we were all on kids' teleprograms, um, and it's kind of reverted back to how India started, which is a bit underground and a bit cool and a bit kind of in the know, so to speak. Because I, I remember being at school and liking indie bands, and, you know, the majority of the kids in your class had no idea what these bands were because they're into Bross or Madonna you know, and, and, and you're saying oh god I've got that that first Soup Dragons album before they went all Brit poppy themselves or, or manchester you know and, and he'd been looked upon as being a bit of a weirdo for like his strange music but I kind of got off on that I thought that was a bit of a buzz yeah it was always good like I was the same I was more into kind of like a band than while everyone else was into the kind of a cheesy pop as it were yeah um so last question for you then what um what are some of your ambitions left in terms of your your musical career or your you know your career generally what are you looking to do now well as i touched upon earlier you know there is always the option to do new stuff and i'm sure at some point we definitely will um but you know i think i'm quite I'm quite happy with where I'm at right now. You know, there's nothing major that I'm thinking, oh, I've got, I've got to do that before I die. You know, I think I'm always kind of just taking life as it comes, really, and, and meet head on anything that I'm presented with. So, you know, I mean, I could say, oh, I'd love to start acting or something like that, but, you know, if, if the opportunity came along and I liked it, then I'd maybe dip my toes in, but... There's nothing major. I think I think short term we're just going to get on this tour and uh, and hopefully it will just be absolutely brilliant and then we'll just take next year as it comes. To be honest, indeed. I'll um, I'll put links up to uh, you know, for tickets and everything in the description for the episodes and um, yeah, and you've got obviously you've got to write a book as well. Got to do that. <laughs> yeah, I tell all, I tell all. But I'll, what I'll have to do before I write that book get together with some friends first and be told exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, and then and then change the names of everyone. So yeah. Yes, exactly <laughs> that, yes. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time, Nick. I really appreciate it. And, uh, no worries. Thank you, mate. welcome to come back on any time once you're told. That's for the county. Thank, Thank you very much. And I'll we'll see you in Cardiff. Indeed. And then maybe we could do a longer show there uh, once your tour's done and dusted and stuff and Christmas is out of the way. And yes, great stuff. Good man. Ask you some uh, some weirder questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Thank you, mate. Good man. Guys, you can find links to purchase tickets to Shed 7's tour around the UK in the episode description below. You can also follow the band at Shed 7 on Twitter, plus follow Rick on Twitter, which is at Rick T 
W1TTER. Follow us on Twitter at AceCast underscore Nation, or you can go to our Facebook page, drop a like and follow. It's facebook.com slash AceCastNation. Most of all, the best way to support our shows, help us grow, is by subscribing to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash AcePodcastNation, or download the audio versions of our shows at Apple Pods, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and many other podcast platforms. The best way to help us find new eyes and ears is by leaving comments, sharing our shows and our social social media posts. If you really want to help us and go that extra mile, then please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and all the other podcast insights because that will help us find new people. Thanks again to Rick for finding the time to chat to me from his busy schedule. Hopefully we can get him on for a full-length and scripted uncensored show in the future once he's finished touring. Uh, in the meantime guys tell us who you'd like to see on the next episode of Unscripted and Uncensored and uh, I'll see you guys for the next episode cheers Sports Social Podcast Network